1: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions It must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, one 800 327 Five zero five zero in Massachusetts. One eight hundred bets off in Iowa, and one 7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JustBaseball and get your fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer today. Five,
2: Include the week with us on the Just Baseball Show. It's, uh, is it December? I think there are 30 days in November. We're recording on November 30th, Thursday. Tomorrow is... We're,
1: we're in the off-season blob. It could be February. It could be November. It could be Thanksgiving. It could be Christmas. It could be Hanukkah. It could be Kwanzaa. I don't know. I want to talk baseball. It's December
2: 1. Rabbit, rabbit. Happy December. Welcome to the month that the winter meetings happen. And this is the last time we talk to you before the winter meetings start in Nashville. Jack, Peter, Just Baseball Show on Friday, December 1st. Jackson Chorio could be signing an eight-year 80 million dollar deal with a pair of club options that's what Heyman has it has not been made official just yet but we're going to talk about it like it is official because we think there's a chance that that happens after we record and before you listen to this the Reds got a little active and the NL Central as a whole is pretty active Luis Severino signs with the Mets one year 13 million dollars And then we're going to conclude National League week by looking at the season that was in the National League West. Peter, brought
1: to you by... BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, people come on and sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code just baseball. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older and terms and conditions apply. The Jackson Chorio signing is incredibly, incredibly interesting.
2: It's very interesting. And I'm going to give you the primer right now. And then we're going to dive a little bit farther into what this contract could mean. But you probably know that Jackson Chorio is a top three prospect in baseball. We've got him at number three in just baseball's top 100. But who is this cat? You see that he signs for 80 million. You probably haven't watched him play a game of baseball yet. He won't turn 20 years old until March 11th, but he's already got a whole year under his belt in double-A and his triple-A debut in the rearview mirror as well. Last year with Biloxi, who's the double-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers, he hit 280 with 22 homers, 89 driven in, and 43 bags on 52 attempts. Those are the numbers over 122 games, a full season sample. The numbers are good. But he leveled up in his last 55 AA games. Remember his age 19 season. In his last 55, since July 1, Torio hit 312 with an OPS two ticks under 900 at 898. He had 25 extra base hits, 42 RBIs in 55 games. He stole 21 backs during that stretch. He's hit a ball 112 miles an hour as a 19-year-old. Aram in his write-up. Ends it by saying he believes this guy is a true 30 30 threat with staying power in center field. The reported deal from John Heyman is eight years for around 80 million with two club options on the back end that would shatter Luis Roberts' previous record for a guy that has yet to make their major league debut. Roberts signed six years 50 with the White Sox in 2020. There are a lot of layers to this. I'm going to tell you what my thinking is on how this contract came to be. Yes, I think Robert's the good example to look at. Acuna signed eight for 100. I don't think that's the best example because Acuna had already played a full season of Major League Baseball. Since Robert signed this deal, we've seen a lot of guys that have a good first cameo in baseball sign these very long-term deals. Julio Rodriguez. Wander Franco signed one. Fernando Tatis Jr. signed one. But I think the one that Chorio's agent probably pointed to and said, we want something like that, is Corbin Carroll last year. And I think that Chorio is the closest thing that we've got to Corbin Carroll in the minor leagues, where it's a true 30-30 threat, a good defender. Carroll stole 54 bags this year, but he had 25 pumps. He had an 850 OPS or like an 830 OPS in 32 games last year. And they still gave him a deal where I personally sat here and thought, that's a lot of money for a guy that's played 32 major league games. But we learned this year that Carroll is worth every penny of that deal. And I think the Brewers, I would their version of Corbin Carroll. Everybody wants a piece. And I think that they're trying to
1: replicate what Arizona got with their guy. No doubt about it. So you mentioned he shattered Luis Roberts record six years, 50 million, which was the largest extension with zero MLB service time. But there have been a couple others. Aloy Jimenez, six years, 43 million. Evan White, if we remember with the Seattle Mariners, looked like the greatest fielding first baseman of all time. And if he could just hit, he was going to be this amazing player. Didn't end up being the case. Scott Kingery, remember him, Phillies fans? Six years, 24 million. And then John Singleton. We saw him in the World Series, but we haven't seen him much with the Houston Astros. Five years, 10 million. So this almost doubled Luis Robert Jr.'s record at six years, 50 million. So when it first came across the ticker from John Heyman, you know, we talk in our Just Baseball group chat. And obviously, you know, as me, the person who knows the least about prospects between the three of us here on the Just Baseball show, my mouth dropped open. and I was like, guys, I know he's good. I know, obviously, he's good. We rank him really high. I read the write-up. I've watched the video. He's obviously amazing. But come on, this amazing and then what was the response in the group chat, Jack? I, I I don't know. Was it yes? <laughs> it
2: shows you I yes. there are days yeah. the, that go by
1: where I don't read it sometimes. It, it was a one word answer. Yes. Yes. Like this guy has the potential, right? We're talking 30-30. But with the new stolen base rules, when you have 30 stolen base speed with new rules, this. then we look at 50, right? And would you argue he has more or less power than Corbin Carroll?
2: Um, he has more raw power. I think that he can get into more power, but I think the game power played up for Carroll. But a reminder, like Corbin Carroll's 23 years old. He signed this contract and he was 22. Chorio is going to sign this when he's 19. He's got yeah. three years on Carroll. So th- there is way more power to dream on, I think, with Jackson Chorio. But in terms of game power right now, I'll give the edge to the guy that has, you know, three more years of puberty down the chute
1: more than fair Jackson churio 19 years old in the Brewers system they truly do have a potential superstar yes. on their hands yes and I think the big point too is here center field right this isn't a right fielder this isn't a third baseman this is a center fielder up the middle defense staying power there we also have to remember and I say this all the time and it gets a chuckle from you every time but I just we have to talk about it He's two years younger than Dylan Cruz, two years younger than Wyatt Lankford. Just to put that in perspective here, this guy could be a sophomore at Coastal Carolina, but he's in AAA with the Brewers doing this shit. Eight years, 80. I think the Brewers are going to look back on this and say, yeah, we underpaid him, even though it seems like a massive overpay before he's taken a step on the field.
2: So Aram's write up is great. And I'll link it in the episode description here. So if you do want to go read uh, Aram's write up on Jackson Chorio to kind of get the eight one one on who this guy is, you know, to an even deeper level, go do that. Highly recommended reading. That's kind of your homework, I guess, on this Friday or over the weekend. But homework. Yeah, homework. But Chorio, like Aram and I were doing a draft on the call up. We weren't doing a draft. It was like create your Frankenstein. Your, yep. your best possible prospect. Love that
1: episode. Yeah,
2: it was fun. Um, And I chose Victor Scott's speed because he stole like 90 backs this year in the minor leagues. He chose Chorio's speed. It's like, really? He said, dude, he could be the fastest guy in the minor leagues. So not only are we talking about the fastest guy in the minor leagues, but a teenager that is pumped a ball 112 miles an hour. Not normal. I'd say... It's going to be more of an uphill battle to get to the 30 homers than the 30 bags for Chorio, but the defense helps. He chases a little bit, but a 19 year old in the upper minors is going to chase
1: a little bit. Um, So he's not perfect. He's not God. I will
2: say that Carroll was less flawed than Chorio when he signed. Like Corbin Carroll had plate discipline, he was walking at a 12 and a half, 13% clip. Chorio doesn't do that yet. But but Chorio...
1: Carroll's old news, right? What is he, 23? He's 23. Yeah. No, I think he's got an AARP (laughs) account
2: now. Um, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, man, I I think that this is really fun. Now the second layer has to do with what the Milwaukee Brewers are going to do, I think, in the next week. I, I think at the winter meetings. Chorio signing this deal creates no situation where it benefits the Milwaukee Brewers to have him in Nashville in the first month. If they feel like he needs to spend a month in AAA, sure. But he probably shouldn't. will.
1: He probably uh, will. I don't know, man. You don't think you're going to soak up maybe an extra year of service time? I guess you can't. Why would you? you, you yeah. Why would you? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. No, I,
2: so th- there's no financial reason to have him buried not on the major league roster. I think this is Matt Arnold showing his hand and saying that Jackson Chorio is going to be the opening day center fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. So I think that displaces two guys that in turn can net them a three. Garrett Mitchell coming Mm -hmm. off of injury, who I think is damn good. Me too. And Joey Weimer, who I think is damn good. Do they want to move two of those or do they want to move Mitchell or Weimer and then Tyrone Taylor and then, you know, more guys like that to go get a four? You can, but close your eyes and envision the Milwaukee Brewers outfield for the next five years. I see Yelich in left, Chorio in center, Freelick
1: in right. You could also. And now you could go the other way. Do you package one of these guys with Yelich in order to get off his contract? and send them somewhere. I don't think depending so. on what the Brewers want to do. Right. But I think the main point of it is they are in a spot where they have a surplus of these guys where they can be very, very creative to the Brewers decide, All right. Our window is still open. We want to keep burns. We still think that we can compete. We did win 92 games last year. Let's keep it moving and let's go by, but they could do that as well. Like if Burns is on the block and they're putting more and more guys up and available for trades, as the reports have said. Could they be strategic with the Yelich contract to get that off the books as well? Because Yelich, it's not going to be the hardest contract to sell. And then when you add a guy like Freelich or Weimer or Mitchell, depending on what kind of trade you want to do, in order to get a big haul in the farm system, that's what they could also do. To your point, I think what you're saying is more likely. I'm just trying to say, that every option is now on the table for them. Yeah, um, another off the walls one that I am going to
2: pitch. Like I, I'm just going to do it. He hasn't played. He hasn't played any infield in pro ball. If I'm not mistaken, he didn't play any infield in college ball. But summer ball, I think for two seasons, Sal Frelick was a shortstop, second baseman. Okay. We saw Mookie make the transition this year. Not impossible. If you gave Sal Freelick an offseason to commit to learning second base,
1: Sal's a better option than Terang. Is he not? Is he? No, uh, Sal Freelick's a better hitter, but like I like Terang. I, I, you and Arm don't like Terang. No, I, I, I like Terang. Okay. I like Terang defensively. Yeah, exactly. He's a soft hitting second baseman. Yeah, I mean, it depends how well Freelick could maneuver over there. It would be second, of course, because they have Adamas, but you know, I've heard Adamas's Adamas name is on his final in year rumors. Yeah, like. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe Yelich, short. <laughs> but Yelich, we're in the off stop, Let's just start firing shit. Where's Luis Arias when you need him? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. he's been DFA'd
2: twice. Um, yeah, but I, I do like this move. I like the aggression from them. I don't know what this means for the grand scheme of Corbin Burns's immediate future in Milwaukee and Adamas's future in Milwaukee and Devin Williams's future in Milwaukee because this is. A deal that transcends 2024, but all of our questions surrounding the Milwaukee Brewers are for 2024. They've got their center fielder locked up, it seems, long-term. Now I I just need way more questions answered. I have less and less questions about the Cincinnati Reds as the last 24 hours have have gone along. They signed Emilio Pagan to a two-year deal. And they signed Nick Martinez to a two-year deal. Martinez opted out of two for 18 with San Diego. And I think got two for 22 on a Wednesday night. I like Martinez and that signing more than Emilio Pagan, but you do get, you know, a seventh eighth inning guy in Pagan hoping that he he recaptures some of that magic that he's had in recent years. Um, Martinez, I, I think he's great because obviously he was a good swing man for San Diego. They needed starting pitching so badly last year, and I think that this guy is a great security blanket where he's probably in the opening day rotation, and if all these young arms work out and you can run out a a starting five of uh, Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott, Phillips, you can move
1: Martinez to that multi-inning swingman reliever type role. And I would rather have Martinez than Connor Phillips anyway. Um, but, and that's why I like the Nick Martinez signing. Like, I think he's a decent starter. And if he's not, like you said, he can transition into a bullpen role and perform very well. Now he is not an innings eater when he toes the rubber for the Cincinnati Reds in July. Don't expect more than four innings. Maybe he'll get to the fifth, but that's not really his role, right? His role is. When one of your guys gets bombed, he can come in and weather the storm, but while also being effective. So I like the Nick Martinez signing. I think Nick Martinez was correct in opting out, and of course he was because he got more money, and I think he's a good fit with the Cincinnati Reds. I would give, I don't know, a letter grade to a Nick Martinez two-year deal, but what I will say is I do like it. The one I am very confused about and was surprised to see two years for this guy is Emilio Pagan. Because the Minnesota Twins, they kind of showed their hand in the playoffs. Emilio Pagan was not the guy coming in in the ninth inning. That was Yohan Duran. He wasn't the guy coming in in the eighth inning. That was Griffin Jax. Now, we sometimes saw him in the sixth, or the seventh on occasions. But more often than not, Pagan was not the guy that they went to with a one-run lead in the seventh inning. Now, we saw him in spurts, definitely in the regular season. But I wouldn't call him a good high leverage reliever. I would call him a good reliever. That's kind of the bucket I would put him in just to be simple. Right. So to see two years on him, I was pretty surprised about the Reds must see something in his pitch mix because Emilio Pagan was a batting practice thrower, you know, not last year, but the year before in San Diego run problem. Yeah, it was due to a home run problem. He goes to the twins, he looks a little bit better, he has a better overall season, and the Reds must have seen something. But still, two years? Like who is competing against the Reds in the in the Emilio Pagan market for them to say, you know what, we want to do a two year deal? I don't I don't think so. I think that there were probably there was
2: probably a cluster of one year deals, and Cincinnati was like, hey, we'll separate ourselves with a two. And and that's okay. But Pagan is coming off his first sub three ERA year since he was in Tampa in 2019. And that was second year with Minnesota. His two years in San Diego were not good. He had an ERA just under five in those two years. Um, first year in Minnesota still had the home run problem, but the whiffs went up. And then this past year, a 299 and 66 appearances opponents hit about a buck 80 against him. Um he was striking out fewer guys, but he was constantly commanding at the bottom of the zone and I wonder what the ground ball rate did. It was still so he, low.
1: Yeah, he was effective. It's just you know, I feel like you can see what the manager and the team thinks about you when the going gets tough.
2: Yeah, I th- I think they're looking at him as the 7th inning guy like they just paid you know, across two years for a seventh inning guy because Diaz has the ninth. Does Jabot have the eighth? Probably. I like Ian in Yeah.
1: I don't mind him either. So but like, would you give Ian in a to your deal right now? Like, I,
2: no, I don't think so. Yeah. Like
1: I just, I don't know why they gave him a two year deal. Now, yeah. is it what you said? And they just had to kind of separate themselves. Sure. But is he the guy you separate yourself for? No. They must see something there. And the Reds have been, Pretty good at IDing these kind of guys, so I can I can get around to it. I'm don't glad ha- that they're they're buying, though. This isn't a, oh, what a bad deal. I just, what I'm telling all the people listening is, when I saw two years, I was pretty surprised. Could it work out? Absolutely. If he gives you a 3-5 ERA over the next two seasons, yeah, two-year deal, we'll take that. I just don't know if he does, especially in Great American. But yeah. that's not their fault. That's the park they play in so renaldo lopez signed a three-year deal in terms of
2: available relievers i'm not separating on hater because hater is going to get big money i'd rather have Reynaldo separate.
1: lopez renaldo lopez has incredible stuff and yeah, he has closer upside like that i get now three years is still a lot for that like that's someone i would put in the two-year bucket i guess that's just how i view the reliever market and it's changing in a way that i don't agree with but who cares what I agree with? It's the lay of the land. I wouldn't yeah, have given yeah. Tywin Walker seventy million either. Look where we are. I I would
2: separate on I would separate on Hector Naris. I
1: I'd would rather Nerys than Pagan.
2: Yeah, I I would separate on Jordan Hicks. I think mm. one
1: hundred three is one hundred three, man. Like yeah, but he has no idea where it's going, and like sometimes he can look great. He's not available that much. I'd rather have Pagan than Jordan Hicks. I disagree. I'd rather have Hicks than Pagan. It's more exciting. It's good when you got you need a guy to throw at someone. I don't love Jordan Hicks. I I don't know if I ever have. Like, one hundred three is one hundred three. One hundred three is one hundred three. But like, there's a lot of one hundreds out there. It's not one hundred three and everybody's ninety six. Yeah. I don't know which is the league Chapman entered and the yeah, league that be, Hicks entered is a different league. Exactly. He could be very effective. I'm not saying he's bad. It's just like. There's a lot of wide-ranging outcomes on a reliever. Do I want to pay that? Not particularly.
2: No, I think the only guy that I'm I'm really giving a two-year deal. To, I mean, hater, I would, but Naris is the one that I'm giving a two-year $25 million deal to. Definitely. I would as well. Last one before we get into the NL West is Luis Severino, who signed one year for $13
1: million with the New York Mets. Floor's yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fall of Luis Severino is really, really sad, right? couple of years ago yankee fans remember um there was a cover i think it was on sports illustrated um that addison posted shout out addison um forget his twitter username yankee world it up yankee world he's awesome he pulled it up and it you know it made me uh made me a little sad gary sanchez greg bird aaron judge and louis severino were on the cover of that one and uh, all three of those are not Yankees, except for Aaron Judge, of course. But Luis Severino was a Cy Young finalist. This guy was electric. He was throwing 97, 99 miles an hour, touching 100 miles an hour, had some great years with the Yankees. But these past couple of years have been plagued by injury, um we saw the stuff start to come back at the end of the year however the location has not been good leaving so much stuff right in the middle of the zone and hitters are teeing off and his arm seems to fall apart as soon as he gets something good going so when I saw one year 13 million I thought to myself that's exactly why I like the Kyle Gibson signing to the Cardinals he signed for one year 12 right Would you rather have Kyle Gibson or would you rather have Luis Severino? Now, you might say, well, I'd rather have Luis Severino. Look at the upside. I'd rather rely on the safety here because, yes, could Luis Severino completely find it, go all the way back? What's more likely, that or Kyle Gibson throwing 170 innings out of 4-3? I think we know the answer to that one. Who got more? Luis Severino did because he has more electric stuff. I think this was the classic – Steve Cohen has a ton of money. Let's take a gamble. Could it work? Maybe. I'd venture to say that it doesn't, right? And I said this at the beginning of the, of the offseason, maybe the end of the season. If the Dodgers get Luis Severino or teams like that, that means they saw something. I trust David Stearns. And maybe he found something. Teams often... The type of teams that sign these players, I have my reservations about. It was yeah. a lot of money. I thought, even though it's not the biggest gamble of the world, and it's a different type of owner. And Steve Cohen, who is ten trillion dollars, yeah, I wouldn't be super excited if I'm a Mets fan.
2: S- something's something's changing with Luis Severino, and I do think that you are. Not overwhelmingly negative because I'm a little negative too, but I I do think that you're a bit jaded by Luis Severino because you've ridden the roller coaster over the last couple of years. My immediate reaction to this was he only got one year. I was expecting him to get a
1: two-year deal. Mm. He's 30. I'd be pretty surprised if he makes 20 to 25 starts this year. So we will see. Um,
2: what I will say is, when I hope he he's does. On the now I
1: am rooting. Yeah. Well, I'm. I want to be clear. I am for rooting sure. for this. I hope he makes thirty starts and win the Cy Young. I just have my doubts.
2: Yeah. No. I and listen, that's totally valid. I had my Rodon doubts when he hit the open market, and those kind of came to fruition after that year in San Francisco. So, um, I will say when Seve is on the hill and he hasn't been entirely unavailable. He's been unavailable, but not you know invisible. He threw ninety innings this year. Um they're spread out, but it's 90 innings regardless. And he did still sit 96, 97. I just want to know what happened to the fastball because I'll like try and hop into the vertical shape and, and the horizontal shape and all that. But he threw his four seamer 48% of the time in 2022. Opponents hit a buck 86 against it. They slugged under 400. This year, he threw his four seamer 45% of the time. It was harder. He sat 96 3 in 2022. He sat 96 5 in 2023. But opponents hit 350 with a 690 slug against his fastball.
1: Was, was it location?
2: What was the difference in spin rate? Identical. Spin was a spin was 10
1: RPMs up this year. Interesting. Yes. Location 1000 percent Go look at the heat map. Right in the middle of that shit. Yeah, it is. Right, right in the middle of the zone. But it's more than that. When I I've watched thousands, of what it feels like of Severino starts. Obviously, he hasn't made a thousand, but I've I've seen a plenty of his starts over the years. The fastball did not have the same life. There was a time where Luis Severino would chuck his fastball, and it would have a Jordano Ventura type to it, where it's just such a whippy arm motion and a thing that looked like it flying up to, into the zone. It didn't look like that. It looked straight. And while the velocity was still there, I'm actually surprised to hear that the spin rates weren't any different because it didn't have close to the type of life. It didn't have close to the same location and his off-speed pitches. They were all over the place. If the Mets can somehow refine him, get him back to the way he was, of course, you got a potential elite number two. But I think the market is kind of telling you something. The Yankees, their rotation is not shored up. Why didn't they, they bring back Severino one-year deal, right? And then other teams. Why didn't he get a two-year deal, Jack? I think the writing's on the wall for him.
2: He lost some vertical break, it seems, on his four-seamer. That's my big takeaway. The writing could be so on the wall. We did lose
1: that. So he did lose that. Okay.
2: Yeah. He is 29. He's going to turn 30 before opening day. Like, I don't know. I hope the writing isn't on the wall, but
1: it Me might either. be. It might be. I mean, this happens to guys right they have an electric three or four years and some guys just phase out
2: you make a nice point all right we are going to talk nl west we're going to do the season in review in the national league west but before that quick break National League West, here's the deal. We are going to plug the uh, preseason win total set by our friends at BetMGM. We're going to tell you where they finished, the difference, and then where Peter Aram, and I uh, had our selection in the preseason. We were kind of in a consensus when we did this. We had three teams where it was a complete sweep. Arm disagreed with us on one of them, and I disagreed with you guys on another one of them. But did I did I do terrible again? I don't think so because okay. Like, what's funny is the three sweeps we nailed. Okay. We got all three right. All right. One that wasn't a sweep was the LA Dodgers. Preseason win total was at 96 and a half. They ended with a hundred wins. So four wins better than Vegas was expecting them to finish at. You and I had the over, so we won. Arm had the under 96 and a half. And I don't Gosh, remember well. his I don't remember his reasoning. I think he was like, these are the laws that we've seen in the, Dodger the Dodgers. No lucks. He was like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, Miguel Rojas is playing shortstop. I don't know if they survived that. And then it turned out that Mookie Betts was playing shortstop. And I, I think our reasoning was as simple as they're the freaking Dodgers. They're just gonna win a hundred games. That's how life works.
1: Exactly. That's how life works. Um Weird year for the Dodgers overall. I mean, Walker Buehler was on this show, right-handed <laughs> pitcher. He was not on the mound, right? <laughs> Julio Arias. here with us jackasses. Yeah, Julio Arias. You know, I don't think we even need to talk about what's going on there until we have more information, but I think everybody listening knows exactly what happened with the Julio Arias situation. Dustin May looks great, gets hurt, tails old as time. Kershaw pitched really well during the regular season. But at this point in his career, you're not going to get more than 120 to 130 innings. So it was a lot of Ryan Pepiot who pitched really well, right? It was a lot of just this arm here, then this arm here, then like that random guy. And then they would get it through. And then the bullpen came through and the Dodgers would score five. And it's like, well, Dodgers won five to three. And I don't even know who pitched for them.
2: Right. So it was Gratterall opening games. It was Pepio who was really good. It was Bobby Miller who was really good. It was Stone who wasn't. It was Sheehan who was fine and then he wasn't fine. Ryan Yarbrough threw a lot for that. It was Lance Lynn at the end of the year. It was mix and match and they still won 100 games because they had the runner up and, and the third place finisher and LMVP.
1: I think in the Dave Roberts tenure, it was his best year as a manager. While it obviously did not come to be in the postseason, which is why every Dodgers fan every year after they lose in the postseason wants Dave Roberts fired, it was a masterclass by him this year. Absolute masterclass. Look at the guys who were on this team. Like after Freddie, Mookie, and Will Smith, look at that lineup it was not good. Like Muncy did his thing, but didn't he hit below 200 again? Right? Like it was, it was a lot of Hayward and like Outman was great. Then bad. There was just so much inconsistency here. When you have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman at the top of your lineup with Will Smith doing Will Smith things, the offense comes to play more often than not. And if you flip one run games, Dodgers would have won 99 games so it wasn't like unlucky or anything I think the reason the Dodgers were so successful this year above the guys on the field of course in Freddie Mookie and Will Smith and the pitching was Dave Roberts I thought he was fantastic this season
2: so Muncie hit 212 but he had 36 pumps and 105 (laughs) driven in holy shit common max months a year Jason Hayward played 124 games, had an 813 OPS, a career mm-hmm. rejuvenation for Jason Hayward. Shout out James Alvin, man. When you look at our war, B war, however you want to say it, Mookie, Freddie, Will Smith, Kershaw, James Alvin. Yeah. He was great. And then you had Muncie, then Gratterall, then Bobby Miller, then J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez was a nice, steady force. Um Altman was the sung hero. I don't want to call him unsung because he was a finalist for NL Rookie of the Year, but um, he was so valuable. And and Hayward was incredibly valuable, too. So shout out the Dodgers for winning again. And when the total comes out next year, I'm going to pick the over again because they're the Dodgers, and they just do this. Me, too.
1: I think it's very easy. Arm. What a, what a moron. What are you doing, Arm. Clean <laughs> I sweep. Have to, yeah. I have to take my licks now because I have been dreadful. Oh, yeah, I
2: understand uh, <laughs> clean sweep, all winners for us. We all had the under 93 and a half wins for the San Diego Padres. They finished with 82. They
1: every had year. depth questions <laughs> and, and the depth in the top end talent was underwhelming this year. The two teams I never believe in, in both leagues, San Diego Padres in the national league and the Toronto blue Jays in the American league. Let me see you do it. They never, ever do a lot of hype every year and we'll see what happens. San Diego Padres. This one, they went under because they were insanely unlucky in one-run games. Number one team, if you flipped these one-run games, they would have finished 96 and 66. But it ain't just unlucky when all of that happens to you in a season. Padres fans, probably hate this episode because they don't want to remember the days where they were up 5-3 in the bullpen, blew it, and they looked lifeless. They don't want to remember the runners left in scoring position, game in, game out, at home, on the road, during the day, at night. Didn't matter. The San Diego Padres did not drive in runners when they were on second and third. They don't want to talk about the days where the Padres were down by a couple of runs, and the offense said, we'll get them back tomorrow. That's what the San Diego Padres did. Whenever it was close, they would lose. They would need to win with margin, and when they didn't, by the fourth inning, everybody could leave Petco Park because they knew the end result. It was embarrassing of a season. We saw how many reports did we see. This player doesn't like this player. The clubhouse is a nightmare all this different stuff. It was a lost season coming off an NLCS berth. The first time the Padres showed, hey, we're we're contenders here. We sell it every game. We spend all this money. We're amazing. We have every player. And that's why I'm so pissed about my Mets. Them and the Padres are very similar. Yeah. And I went over with the Mets like an idiot. I knew they were going under, but I still went over. Thankfully, went under with the Padres.
2: I'm cooking with gas. I just, I did the final calculation. I'm coming in at a very high clip and I'm going to do yours uh, in a minute too. Okay. But San Francisco, again, a clean sweep. This one was a nail biter. Their over-under was set at 80 and a half. They finished at 79 wins. It was close. All three of us went under. So we looked like geniuses. Why do you think they went under? My reasoning is I think they lacked... Star power to be a 500 team. I think to be a 500 team in Major League Baseball, you do need a little bit of star power, and they had none. You can call Logan Webb a star, but I I struggle to, when your best player is a pitcher, (laughs) I I struggle to think that you can be a 500 team, and they were just under that.
1: Yeah, exactly. They whiffed on a lot of the big time free agents in the offseason. Remember, they gave Arson Judge that much money. I think they were in the Xander Bogart sweepstakes. They they were in a lot. They really tried to go all in in the offseason and just no big time free agent. I think they were in on no big time free agent chose them. And they were left with a team with Tyro Estrada being like their best offensive piece, with J.D. Davis, with Mike Yastrzemski, right? You got really, really fun additions from guys like Patrick Bailey, right? At the catching position, looks like the long-term option there. But overall, you looked around the diamond and said, Wilmer Flores is our three-hitter. Great season from Wilmer, but come on, that's why we went under. There was you said it perfectly. Lack of star power. It wasn't due to some crazy un- unlucky streak. I actually think they kind of outperformed what I thought they were going to be. Um, the Giants again, out of lucky, right? You flip those one run games, they finished 73 and 89. I think they were a 75 win team that got lucky in a couple of games, but they do have the Velociraptor, Camelo Duvall. That's why they win those games at the end. Their bullpen was very, very good. That's what I will give them credit for. Bullpen games, they always seem to sneak it out. They would surprise good teams. I remember so many games during the dog days. They went into Atlanta with Jacob Junis on the mound against Spencer Strider, and they would win those games. Like, they were never a team that you can overlook, but at the same time, they just weren't talented enough to withstand a 162-game schedule.
2: I think 2024 is going to be a different story for them i do think that they're going to spend some massive money in free agency i still think that they are going to get shohei otani i don't know when it happens um but i've been saying it since march like april that the giants should be considered in the otani sweepstakes i i still truly feel that and i think that he's going to be part of a two-player at least package that is heading to san francisco i don't think it's going to be otani and yamamoto i don't know if it's going to be Otani and Bellinger. I think that's more likely than Otani and Yamamoto, but I do think it's going to be at least one of those marquee guys and then another to follow.
1: Do you you predict right now that Otani's going to be a giant? Yes. I still think he's going to be an angel. (laughs) There's just a part of me that feels like Otani's going to stay with the angels. I think that ship is so boring. I don't know. I don't know if it has. It's sailed. We'll see. I think he's more likely a Dodger than he is a Giant, personally. Cub. I could see that. I would pick the Cubs over the Giants too.
2: Interesting. I'm going Cubs, Giants. I'm going Giants one, Cubs two, Dodgers three.
1: Yeah, I'd go Dodgers, Cubs, Giants.
2: Okay, but Angels one.
1: Yeah, Angels one. You fast. I do think he's gonna stay with the Angels.
2: You fascinate me. All let's right. Say, Arizona, clean sweep on the over. Easy, easy. This was the most confident you were in any single pick that we had. They go to the World Series after winning 84 regular season games. Their over-under win total was set at 75 and a half. All of us had the over. Carroll was somehow better than we expected. Gallen was somehow better than we expected until the very end. Merrill Kelly was somehow better than we expected. Everybody could tell Marte bounced back.
1: What I will say is I don't know if Carol was better than we expected because you know me. What was I probably doing at the beginning of the year being like, Carol's going to have an eight-win season? He actually probably underperformed by insane hyperbole. Dude, I,
2: insane hyperbole aside, if you had just minor hyperbole,
1: yeah, he
2: exceeded the minor hyperbole. Any standard yeah. that I think a reasonable person set for him, he flew past it. So yeah, they, yes. they were guided by... The best players on their team, Geraldo Perdomo, having an out-of-body experience for the first month of the season was really cool, um, and they got enough from the complimentary pieces. Evan Longoria, Canzone for a minute there.
1: Uh, the the beat goes on. Yeah, the beat goes on. Um, training for Paul Seawald, yep. such a great deal. Kevin Ginkle and his, his enormous nutsack. Plenty of good relievers back there. The rotation held up. Spot was not good during the regular season, but we see what he's going to be moving forward. Tommy Henry was good, you know, in spots. Ryan Nelson was not, but, you know, you lost those games. That's why he didn't win 100 games, right? He won 84 games. But what I will say is is something I want to compliment us on. We have been very good in identifying the one team that nobody's really paying attention to that is always in the mid-70s. We have been nails with them. Orioles, Diamondbacks, And I already have a team in my back pocket that we've been, I've floated you. I haven't told Arm yet that I've floated you guys already for that next team that I think is going to take a massive step up. We'll talk about them when we get to the American League. Hint, American League Central. But all credit to the Dimebacks, elite defensively, hit when it mattered, pitched when it matters, closed the game down when it mattered. We just thought this team was too good on so many areas of the ball to be a mid-70s team, right? They were so great on the base pass, so great defensively. They were average hitting, average pitching. We were like, they're going to do enough to get over this. They went way over it. Did we think they were going to make the World Series? No. Was it incredibly fun to watch them? Yes, yes, yes. What a season. What a season. Yeah.
2: And wrapping up a perfect division for yours truly I was the only one with the under 65 and a half wins for the Colorado Rockies. And they're my team. Just knew that they didn't have any talents. 59 wins for the Colorado Rockies, six below what they were anticipated at. They lost more than 100 games. You had the over 65 and a half. Arm had the over 65 and a half. And I had the under 65 and a half. Uh, I think they went under because they... Don't have
1: much talent. Yeah, they the they they year. went under because they stink out <laughs> loud. That's why because they play on the moon and it's literally unfair. And I don't blame them at all. And they Marquez to... and Sensatella got hurt, and Bryant was unavailable again. Like yeah, like they fit MLB systems when it comes to betting. Like the Rockies have played a long <laughs> homestand. Bet against them in their first game on the road. Like that is a cash counter. Right. Like it's so hard to do what they do. And then on top of it, they didn't really have any good players. But we did talk about how good Nolan Jones was, right? Ezekiel Tovar, arguably clutchest player in the league, by the clutch that on Fangraphs. If you don't believe me, open up Fangrafts. I know I don't really believe it either, but it's the fact that it's there. Brenton Doyle was a good defender. Yeah. He won a gold glove. John Gray pitched for them, right? No. <laughs> Obviously not, Uh, but that's like the, they have the ghost of John Gray on the mound. That was their starting rotation this year. It was a lot of Peter Lambert. It was a lot of not Antonio Sensatella is a lot of not Herman Marquez. It was Kyle Freeland. It was, I mean, Denelson Lamette was throwing innings for them. They had the worst pitching staff I've ever seen. And then the bullpen, like I'm a Justin Lawrence guy. Daniel Bard had a good season. But there was just so much ugh back there. But they have Cal Quantrill now. So I'm a Rocktober guy again. Nolan
2: Jones at 106 games had a 930 OPS. Aside from that, the highest OPS they got was from Charlie Blackman at 803 in 96 games. Yeah, and
1: CJ Krohn not, not being an answer either stunk. But by OPS plus...
2: Sean Bouchard had a
1: 165
2: in, uh, what, 21 games. Jones had a 138 in 106 games. Gritchik had a 120 in 64 games. But among, like, everyday players, aside from Nolan Jones, Blackman was at 107 in 96 games. Everybody else was under 100. Ryan McMahon was at 93. Elias Diaz was at 86. Ella Harris-Montero was at 82. Harold Castro played 100 games. He was at 52. Like nobody performed well
1: in that offense. They, they stole the All Star Game MVP in Elias Diaz. Yeah, timely that, homers, that's gonna man. It's going to be such a good trivia question in 10 years. Just remember 2023 All Star Game MVP, Elias Diaz, catcher, Colorado Rockies. Elias
2: had that homer into the bullpen in left field, right?
1: Off Felix Bautista. Off Bautista. Damn.
2: Okay. So, real quick, running through the National League again. Atlanta went over 95 and a half. All three of us had the over. The Mets went under 92 and a half. You two had the over. I had the under. Philly went over 88 and a half. All three of us had the under. Miami, 76 and a half. You two had the under. I had the over. Washington over 59 and a half you had the under arm and I had the over so that was a a a tough go were you one and four in the NL East
1: one and four I think I just had the Braves
2: then I was four and one I missed on the Phillies and that was it the Central St. Louis Ah. went under 89 and a half uh you had the under arm and I had the over Milwaukee over 85 and a half you had the under arm and I had the over uh the Cubs Went over 77 and a half. All three of us had the under. Cincinnati went over 65 and a half. All three of us had the over. Pirates went over 67 and a half. You two had the under. I had the over. So I went four and one again in there. No, I went
1: I went three and two in there. What'd you do? I, went, I think I either went one and four or two and three.
2: I think you went two and... Uh, yeah, you went two and three. Okay. And then the NL West over 96 and a half for the Dodgers. You had the over, I had the over arm at the under, uh, Padres 93 and a half. All three of us went under San Francisco went under 80 and a half. All three of us went under, uh, Arizona 75 and a half. All three of us went over. And then Colorado under 65 and a half. You two went over. I went under. So that was a five and O division for me. You and Aram enter at seven and eight in the National League. I went 12 and three in the National League.
1: Round of applause for Mr. McMullen. 12 and three. That is surgical as shit. Congratulations, <laughs> Aram and I. I don't even do this shit. I'm the one that's not this. allowed to bet. <laughs> Doesn't even do this shit. That's gambling for you, guy. Well, you do know baseball, right? We are going over and under. Arm and I need to rebound on the American league side. If Jack goes over still a pretty damn good year for Jack 12 and three ensured himself. The winner, I think of this competition, we call it a competition. We like to see what, how we do. I was last year's winner. Just want to make that clear. I was yeah. last year's winner this year. I might be headed for the seller. That's just how it is. And hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We'll be back, of course, on Monday. We got to start going through the American League. And if you could subscribe on YouTube, that would be huge. I mean, that would just be huge. Click that big red button. You do have to pay for it. Oh, wait. No, you don't. It's free. Come on. Just hit the big red button. How about the like? How about the comment button? And if you'd be so kind to rate and review on podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, we really, really appreciate you. Want to do one more shout out? All the Spotify raps that you guys tagged us in, man, that is just the best thing ever. Thank you guys so much. Tagging us on Twitter, tagging us on Instagram, all that good stuff. Just to see how many people have been listening for 10, 15,000 minutes over the last year. I did the math. You guys have listened to every episode cannot thank you enough we would not be here without you guys so just want to say again another thank you from all of us here at just baseball for making the just baseball show your podcast when you're driving to work driving home from work at the gym cooking food whatever you're doing thank you so much we'll be back on monday get yourself some just baseball merch and with that thank you everybody.